friends. Welcome to the Brave Enough Podcast. Grab some coffee, sit back, or enjoy your drive, and let's get authentic, real, and into the good stuff. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut, and I'm so excited to hang out with you today, where we're going to talk about life and work and all the messy stuff in between. So get ready. In episode 24, Sasha interviews pediatrician and mental health warrior, Dr. Uchenna Ume. Now here's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. Welcome to the Brave Enough Show, everyone. It's your host, Sasha Shilkut, and I'm really honored today to have an amazing guest on the show. And her voice is so beautiful that I could just listen to her, you know, I don't know, read the phone book because it's just gorgeous. You're going to love this podcast. And at first, I want to answer a question from the audience. This is from Dr. W. She says, I see that you're having the Brave Enough Conference in Arizona, and I'm wondering if I could bring along my nurse practitioner. You know, this is a question I keep getting. I just want you to know that you are more than welcome to bring your nurse practitioner or your PA to the Brave Enough Conference. Um, Just understand that it is going to be geared towards women physicians. It's a CME event. And so most of the speakers, although we do have non-physician speakers, such as lawyers, et cetera, speaking to us, because so many of the issues that women face, whether you're a nurse practitioner, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a teacher are so similar. So as long as um, the people coming are aware that it is a CME event for women physicians, I am opening up the doors. I want to be inclusive, not exclusive. In fact, our theme this year for the Brave Enough Conference is belong. We want each person to know whether you are practicing in a small town, whether you're practicing in a large city, um, whether you're the only woman in your practice, you know, you really need a tribe and you need other women to support you. So that's the purpose of the Brave Enough Conference. You can find out more about it and register on braveenoughconference.com. So without further ado, I want to get into our awesome guest today. This is Dr. Uchen. Ume, and she is a pediatrician and she's been practicing for nearly 30 years. So this is, this podcast today is going to be about wisdom and a reflection on wisdom. And I just really love what she's doing because she is helping the least of these. She has a really interesting life story and she has found herself in the last few years, creating awareness for mental health issues, specifically in children, teens, and young adults and in the minority community. And I love this because these are people that that number one, I mean, I have teenagers, I have preteens, and I can tell you that every day is a battle. And sometimes I, it's just easier to think, I don't really want to go there. I don't really want to talk to these people and these young people who are having problems. But man, she's doing it. And she's going to challenge us and really educate us on how we can look out for those people that we love. And she's also doing it in the minority communities. And this is just so important. And I think it's so important as um, a woman who has a voice to give that voice to other women. And so I'm super excited to share my platform today with her and for her to teach us. So welcome as you're known to your patients, Dr. Lulu. Thank you so much, Sasha. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's an awesome intro. I don't think I've had anyone say anything about me reading the telephone book before, but I appreciate it. <laughs> I, do. I do. Your voice is so calming. I just am like, no oh. wonder you, you know, help people with their struggles because I feel like I could just listen to you talk all day. You have such a beautiful, beautiful voice. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I do. So tell us, how did you, you know, tell us a little bit about your story. Who are you and why are you doing this work? 
Wow. I guess the question is, how much time do you have, right? <laughs> um, we're going to try to squeeze in all 49 and a half years into this. Um, so I was born in Nigeria. I'm Nigerian by, by birth and um, naturalized as an American. Came in here in 95 for my residency, pediatric residency. Finished med school in 91. So that puts me at, yeah, nearly 30 years. And um, I did my residency and I literally jumped into private practice and opened my own practice as a brand new graduate from residency because you have something called a J-1 visa and you either go home or you stay and work in an underserved area. So I got lucky. I was able to find an underserved area in South Carolina that allowed me to own my own practice. So it was awesome. So I did that for about 13 and some change years. And you know, life happens, right? So I got divorced and um, found myself with three young boys to men, as I call them. And um, the oldest was nine and the baby was three. And I'm like, okay, what to do? And then one of my sons says, but mom, isn't grandpa, wasn't like in the Air Force? I was like, yes, why? He said, you could join the Air Force. You could totally do it. I'm like, uh, I guess, like literally <laughs> we call the, so I'm like, okay, you call the Air Force, you call the Army, you call the Marines and I'll call the Navy or whatever. And then, Everyone else was like, you're too old, you're too old. And then the Air Force was like, for the medical corps, the cutoff age was 42. So at 42, I literally joined the Air Force. Oh my gosh, wow. I'm telling you. So I come in straight off the streets as a lieutenant colonel and a commander. I'm like, what? Where? How? What What am I doing? (laughs) What is this? It was crazy, but it was fun now looking back at it. But let me tell you. At four o'clock in the morning, every morning, I had to speak to 400 people every morning and find something. You know, you're talking about brave enough. That was the key. And my motto was fake it till you freaking make it because I did not know what I was doing. I hate heights. I hate ropes. And I'm like, ma'am, you could do it. You could do it. I said, no, I can't. I can't climb the rope. But I found it inside of me. I was like, listen, you're the commander. You cannot get up there and get stuck. And so it was, I had to reach deep down and find someone somewhere in there that was like, girl, you got this. Oh my gosh. Okay. There's you're okay. That is just like amazing. I mean, I was amazed when you said you came to this country which is not like where you grew up, which is that in itself would terrify me. I can't imagine going to another country and starting my residency. So that's brave. And then you, not only did you decide to stay here, you went right and opened up your own practice right out of residency. That is amazing that you obviously were brave enough to say, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to serve in this in this underserved population and I'm going to run my own clinic like that in itself is as a, as a minority woman is amazing to do that. And then at the age of 42, the next challenge presents itself and you rise up to the occasion and decide to become, you know, a Lieutenant Colonel in the air force and climb a rope. Like we could just end right now. And you've already inspired me. Like, that's amazing. That's amazing. amazing. I guess it is, you know, when it's your own story, you're like, whatever. It pales compared to, I'm in an Oprah or something. I'm no one. I'm just to my kids. I'm just mom. Come over here. Come and look at this quick. And I'm like, no respect whatsoever. And I tell him, I said, guys, you do know that when I was active, I walk in the room and all the men stand up. They have to because I'm commander. Like, you have to stand up. And, and I'm like, what? This is for me. They're like, yes, ma'am. Um, you have to. 
And I had to get a crash course in how to walk like a commander, how to talk like a commander, how to my hand movements, my hand gestures. It was awesome. And how to roll your socks and how to roll your T-shirts, things that I'm like, what is this? Yeah, wow. So I'm so thankful that I, I went through it. Let me tell you, it was like awesome. I think when I decided to leave, it was mainly because... You, there's a lot of movement moving in the in the military. You have to move every four years or so. And um, I had already done a couple of what we call manning assists, which means you go and go to, I went to McConnell Air Force Base, for instance, which is in Kansas for like eight weeks because there was a, there was short a man over there and just things like that. And then my children were older at that point. The oldest was about to go into college. He's a junior now. And let me tell you, you don't want to move with, young men right right young girls maybe they might spring back a little young men is a narrow window and they won't tell you anything but right. they'll show and so i had to make a very tough decision to to exchange my boots for my heels and therefore believe it or not my bio that i'm writing is called from heels to boots and back um, <laughs> I because love that. that's literally the story of my life but i had to make a quick decision i was already taking air war college getting ready to be a full bird which is like a colonel and at that point you're like smooth sailing forever but i had to pull back and say look what am i doing this for the reason i the, the reason I, I i filed for divorce was because my middle son one day when they came back from from school usually my ex-husband would do this thing he used to do when i after being on call and owning my own practice and seeing all the patients i'll go home and cook and he would come home and he had bought the mcdonald's or something you know i'm like why do you do this like and the kids are like oh mom you cooked but we already ate dinner i'm like so one evening they they didn't eat mcdonald's thankfully but the middle son after eating dinner threw his plate at me and that's one thing his dad used to do mm. and i was like okay listen you can tolerate him but you want to you want to raise three little hymns right right and that was the moment i called an attorney believe it or not wow i was going to take the abuse i'll take all of that but when my little my little piglet was now doing what he saw his father doing which is the power of pediatrics i yeah. tell the parents every day your children they watch you and my mantra when i give my sunday talks is your life is the life through which your child your life is the window through which your child looks at life yeah. your life is the mirror through which your child looks at life and so Watch how you live your life. Yeah. Oh gosh. That is so, that's such good wisdom, Dr. Lulu, because let me tell you, I'm, I'm just realizing that, um, just in the last couple months, actually with my daughter, I have three boys like you, and then I have one daughter and I saw her the other day, um, just getting really anxious and stressed because she had all of these things that she had to do. And on Monday, she has about four hours of dance right after school. So she has to take her dinner and her lunch with her to school in the morning. Cause then she goes right from school to this like four hours of dance and she has to eat dinner there and do her homework there. And she, Sunday night, she always gets this anxiety because she has her day is just extremely long on Monday. And she was stressed about this project. And I thought, Oh goodness, she is modeling me. 
She is Mm -hmm. like, she's seeing me be super busy and doing everything in this, you know, I can do it all. I can do this. I can do that. And she's modeling that. And so I had to like talk with her and talk and get real with myself. And I asked her some questions. I said, you know, how does it feel when you, when mom is like really busy and stressed? And she's like, actually, when you're really busy and stressed and you're talking about it, it stresses me out. And I was like, oh my gosh, like Mm. I'm teaching her Mm. that it's okay to be busy and stressed, which I don't want her to be that way. I don't, I don't want myself to be that way. So I've really had to just pull back and set some boundaries and then tell her I'm setting boundaries so she can see that and learn how to do that. And I love what you said about, you know, that caused you to make a change when you saw him exemplifying some behavior that was not healthy because that's what I'm doing with her. And I'm like, man, I got to, you know, the kids, your kids are great because they make you walk the walk, right? Like they make you like really live Hmm. what you believe, good or bad. Because yesterday during my Facebook live, I talked about over scheduling. We're talking about intentional parenting. How as an intentional parent, you might think, yes, your child is, oh, she's doing just, she's doing great. She's doing all of this piano, guitar, tap dance, swimming. Oh, she's great. But when it stops being fun for the child, it needs to stop right away. Yeah. So the fact that you said that you noticed that, do you know why I sold my practice I sold my private practice because one day my oldest son had a piano recital. And I was like, I want to go. And he said to me, and I quote, Mom, are you sure? Are you sure you don't have a preemie or a sickler who is in crisis or someone about to have a C-section? Three questions this child asked <laughs> wow. me at the age of 12 because that was my usual line. I have a preemie or there's a a C-section I have to attend. And, and and I was like, no, I don't have a child who is in crisis. No, I don't have anybody who is having a baby. No, I don't have a preemie. I want to come to your piano recital. And that was the day I said, I'm selling my practice. Mm-hmm. Because my practice was now, that was all they were hearing. Mom, can we do this? Oh, you know, I have a, or whatever. I don't know. But my son repeated the words to me. Then right. I was like, I have to be a mother to these three little boys. And so I said, I'm setting my practice. And that was it. Wow. And that was how we said it. Okay, so what are you going to do after you set your practice? And then the rest is history. The efforts came along. But literally, that was how I got to that point to sell my practice. Wow. So how, yes. so how did you get into really this passion to help young kids and teens and adults with bullying, depression, and mental health? Like, how did you, how did you move into that space? How did that become your, you know, your drive and your lane? Okay. So relatively unrelated in a sense, in 2000, the year 2000, I experienced my very first suicide. That was a female surgical resident friend of mine. Mm -hmm. Okay. In the year 2000, that sent me on a six week early premature um, labor for my middle son, the same son. He came early because of the news. But fast forward from there to 2008. In March of 2008, I had a visit by a kid we're going to call Micah. Okay. Micah came to see me with his mother and his mom said she thought Micah was using drugs. Can I please check him for drugs? Micah was the 
quarterback in his in his football team. He was everything. And he suddenly was withdrawing, wasn't wanting to play football anymore, just wasn't his usual self. His mom was like, there's something wrong with my kid. And after checking him and talking with him and talking with her, I said, mom, you know what? I think he's depressed. He did a PHQ-9 and he was like a 23 out of a 27. I'm like, he is severely depressed. She was like, wait, just depression? I said, yes. He said, oh, no, that's fine. I did okay because I had depression when I was a teen. And I'm fine. He's going to be just fine. And then they left the office that day. She was like, no, I don't think he needs counseling. And I know he doesn't want any, and I know I don't want him to be on any medication. Four months after, after I saw him in front of the family barbecue, he put a double barrel shotgun in his mouth and pulled the trigger. That, I never forget that because his mother came to me and talk about being broken. And I felt in a way that I should have pushed harder. I should have said something else. I should have done more. Now, after that, 2012, I joined the Air Force and I started noticing a lot of kids coming in depressed, suicidal, cutting. And I'm like, okay, it's the military. It's stressful anyway. It's hard on them. I did my four years, got out, joined a group practice here in town, and it just continued. And eventually, one day, I had a Last May, I had an eight-year-old boy coming who had tried to hang himself twice. Mm -hmm. And his mother came to me. She was like, I don't know what else to do. I'm like, you know what? I know what I need not to be doing anymore. I need not to be sitting in this room talking. And of course, I took care of that. But I was like, I need to start thinking about going out to meet these kids where they are. Because being in this office, I can see 20 kids a day. But if I go to the schools, I can talk to 20 to 2,000 kids a day. If I go to the YMCA, I can talk to 200 kids a day. And so I was like, you know what? Maybe I need to do that. Because it was just nonstop. Every single day, I got two or three patients who were suicidal. As a matter of fact, I wrote an article for Kevin MD. That article got over 500 shares because I said, physicians, remember your why. Because I was like, why am I doing this? Yeah. And that made me say, my son was like, mom, every day you come home, you tell us about a kid who is depressed and suicidal. Maybe you should be. I said, you know what? Maybe I should. And that's how that started. And so I went to my, uh, my superiors. I said, please, folks, I would like to take one day off every week to go to the schools and minister to these children. And they were like, no, we need you here five days a week. I was like, uh, no, I have my license. I feel called to do this. So, um, hasta la vista, baby. And that's how I quit. And, you know, I think it's really interesting because I, I think that sometimes in medicine, you know, we have such clear paths for what it is to be a doctor. This is what you do. This is full time. This is being an academic doctor, this is being a private practice doctor. It's all very clearly defined for us. And yet we know that medicine is, has a lot of work to do. The culture of medicine has a lot of problems that need addressing. Just if you look statistically at the numbers of you know, provide a physician suicide and physician yes. mental yes. Uh, um, struggles and physician substance abuse. So we know that we are serving people and it, which is an extremely emotional job, but mm -hmm. we also know that we are broken and we have to, we have to fix ourselves. And so I remember when I, it's interesting that a suicide, a patient suicide is what kind of got you 
like, or actually one of your partners or colleagues suicide is what kind of got you tuned into this because that's what also got me tuned into well, wellness. And when I started talking about wellness and talking about mental um, health, I always got the initial pushback from people saying, why you are a cardiac anesthesiologist. Like you should be staying in the realm of cardiac Um, anesthesia. Right. But the, the truth is that we, we need as physicians, we need to expand our space to maybe, maybe Sasha Shulkut's job is to look out for women, but maybe Dr. Lulu's job is to go into schools and talk to young kids. We need to really expand our spaces about mental health, where, where awareness and resiliency and well-being, not limit our spaces. Like, you. you know, because it takes all of us. It's kind of like, you know, people will say to me all the time, like I've had other, believe it or not, other women say to me, I don't really like your brand of feminism because you wear mm-hmm. lipstick and high heels. And I'm thinking to myself, well, number one, like <laughs> this is, it, it. you know, God created people to be very diverse and very different, different. and to have different yes. voices. We need all the different types of women mm-hmm. supporting each other. Like there's not like one brand of feminism that you should buy into in my mm-hmm. opinion, because there's not one brand of a person like God oh, created would. all yeah. of us. Right. That's so, true. so I love that you are being so brave enough and so bold to say, you know, my path, what I'm called to do as a physician is actually go and meet kids where they are outside they are. of the clinic. And, and you know, it's not that we don't need doctors in the clinic talking to patients. We do. We need psychiatrists. We need counselors. We need people to be studying depression and well-being and all these things. We need all of us, but we have to kind of expand our vision of how medicine embraces mental health from many different perspectives. Don't you think? Yes, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I'm nodding my head here. Like if I don't stop nodding my head, I'm going to get C-spine something just everything you're saying is so true when 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 the news went out that I quit my job one of my friends an internal medicine doctor he took me to lunch and said are you crazy have you lost your mind you're he said to me and I quote you're a doctor and you want to become a therapist and I said to him and I quote I said sir if I have to explain to you my why then you missed the whole point. I don't right. want to be a therapist. God right. gave me the gift of speech. I can use my words, my voice. I used to get in trouble a lot when I was younger for talking too much. <laughs> now I know why. Yes, now I know why. I need my voice to talk so that people yes. will hear me. Yes. And 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 and, and you know you know now now he's coming back and saying, well, you know, I'll be doggone. You're right. I'm like, of course, there's so many facets of us. And as soon as you start limiting yourself to this is who I am and this is what I must do, then you've missed it. You, I, I, We've talked for about 20 minutes and I've been, we both kind of agreed with each other at every point. I came from Nigeria. I went to residency here. I started my own practice. I got married. It was abusive. I got out. I got in the Air Force. I started practice. You know, because there's so many facets. And even now, I still practice medicine, but my medicine is on my phone. I do telemedicine. So I can sit down at home and freelance write because I love to write. I love There's that. so many levels. Yeah. And I'm still getting people to get better and it's fine. But and but you know, think about the power 
of you going into a school and those children seeing you here speaking a doctor, like that's so, that is so powerful. And so it's funny how we just, even at our, in our most, like you think of medicine as being so evolved and so innovative because we're doctors and we're scientists, but when it comes down to really embracing creativity in our passion of how we, you know, how we help others, we're, we're kind of stuck. Like we just are like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're going to do a podcast for women to help them be healthier doctors, but you are a cardiac anesthesiologist. We don't get this. Like, can, so it's, it's, it's funny. Like if I were to say, I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to talk about like the mitral valve, nobody in medicine would blink. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. so it's funny you because know? we, we, we like embrace research, which at the very basis is innovative. But when it comes to expressing our humanity and creativity in medicine, we often just freeze because we don't know like, Oh, gosh, what's Dr. Lulu doing? What do you want to do? Why do you want to do that? I don't get I it. Know. Like, you I, know. I know, it's funny you said that because last week I went, because I have, a, I know we'll talk about this later, but I have a program, a parenting your teen workshop coming up in, in May. In oh yeah, March. no, tell us, and, tell and, us about and, that and, right now. Oh, yeah, okay. tell us. So I have, a, so I'm turning 50 next month. And so I thought to myself, I said, you know what? I can go to a nice, serene, pristine beaches with white sands and blue waters. <laughs> or I can just have a program because what I noticed is majority of my teenage patients, they ask me, say, Dr. Lulu, how can I get my mom to listen to me? And then all my moms and dads say, Dr. Lulu, how can I get my patient to hear me? And so I thought to myself, what is a better way to do this than to get the parents and the team together in a judgment-free zone? And let's talk about what one thing would you like your mom to do differently? What one thing would you like your teen to do differently? And so there I give, that's how the, the Parenting Your Teen Workshop was born. And so I'm doing that and I'm thinking to myself, listen, let me go to the schools and like you said, and talk to the principals and try to gather some marketing. And so I went to see one of the principals last week and literally she broke down and says like, oh my God, I'm so coming because her husband had committed suicide and her teenage son was trying to go with him. And she was, all these things are coming. I'm like, oh my God. She's like, you, she said, you're a doctor and you're doing this. So it adds more credibility to the fact that I am a doctor and I am doing this, you know, and it's, and it's okay because I have the knowledge, but I'm also down to earth. I'm like you, I hurt. I have a teenager who was depressed, who was bullied. I know what you're going through. I've seen it in all my patients. Who better to tell you about it than someone who's walked the talk. And yeah. that's why my, my, um, podcast that I'm thinking of starting. It's called Suicide Pages. And it's only for people who have looked suicide in the eye. Either they've been they've attempted or they have a family member or they've been depressed themselves or they've seen they've gotten to that edge. Right. And came back. But you cannot talk about it, Sasha, unless you've looked it in the eye. Yeah. Yeah. And yet no one wants to talk about it. No, Nobody I know. wants to talk about it. I know. And it's it's something that you know, I, I work in a field that has a high rate of 
physician suicide. I work you in anesthesiology. We have the, highest, the highest, highest rate. And so I've known, <laughs> I think now I've known five, but I've personally known three people that are, wow. and they were so successful and brilliant. And it just, every time it's just set me on this spiral of, whoa, like that person, how did that, that happen? But then I think, okay, I can see how it happens because how, what am I doing to get healthy? Like where, when was Mm. the last time I took a break for myself? When Mm. was the last time I, you know, set healthy boundaries and took a vacation with my family? Or Mm. when was the last time that I said no to this or that? So Mm. I think that it's what you're doing is so important. And so say that someone is listening and maybe they have a teenager, maybe they have a child, maybe they have a, maybe themselves they're struggling. How can we find out more about you? Tell us where about your website and how to follow you and your social media presence. So I'm not as, I guess, (laughs) you know, that imposter syndrome, I'm not as social media active as I know some are. So if you find me there, just leave me a message. I will respond eventually. But I, um, but <laughs> so don't feel bad. But my website is called teenalive.com because I believe that I can save one teen at a time. And that's my mission mm-hmm. is to save one teen at a time. So it's teenalive.com. I am on Facebook probably more than anywhere else. I have a regular Facebook page like everyone else, which is my first name and my last name. Otherwise, I have a teen a live Facebook group. We're just beginning. We're just growing. Not more than 300 people at this point, but we all have similar visions. We all have teens or have been a teenager, which is one of the things I say. If you've ever been a teenager, then you know what I'm talking about. Get in here and let's talk. And then I have um, an Ask Dr. Lulu page, which I use every Sunday to do my Ask Dr. Lulu Facebook Live at 2 p.m. every Sunday, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. Otherwise, I have a struggling YouTube <laughs> YouTube page that I don't even know. I'm an account that is barely doing anything. It's called Ask Dr. Lulu, and I'm on there. <laughs> all I do is just upload my videos there for all his words, and I've got maybe, I don't know, five views on one of them, but that's good. I am the little engine that could and can and will, so I'm, I'm working on it. And um, other than that, I'm also on LinkedIn, and of course, I tweet every now and again. Um, but I'm just, I'm just like everyone else. I just want to help. Believe it or not, last December there was an article done on me by the Texas Medical Association because of this issue of me quitting my job to speak, which is like, it's like no one has ever done that before. Oh my goodness! So they were like trying to, you know, interview me because you're a doctor, you're two hundred thousand dollars a year, and you quit your job to to talk. Why? And so I have this article that you know that was done on me, and then last week I get a phone call from the Texas Medical Association because the chairman of the Texas Public Health, um, she's a representative at the at the Texas um, State Legislature, excuse me, wants me to come on Wednesday as in, in two days and testify. And I'm so excited. I'm like, what? Finally, like somebody actually wants to hear me that, 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 is, that has power to do something. <clears throat> so I'm going to go on Wednesday and testify. Um, it's it's a House Bill number 10, and it's pushing research and more awareness and all that to mental health issues and the struggle of the underserved and the children and the immigrants and all of that with with 
you know, childhood depression, postpartum depression, you know, suicide. And I'm just so excited. I'm like, finally, you know, I mean, not that, you know, my little tribe doesn't appreciate me, but it doesn't get any better than someone on the outside saying, this chica, she's got a message. Let's hear her. So I'm so excited. I'm so super stoked. You know, that is amazing. That is so amazing. I'm really, I'm really, really proud of you for the work you're doing. And, um, I, I think that, um, it's just, you're, you you know, you're just going to inspire someone out there who's listening, uh, to not only, um, be brave enough to, you know, reach out to their loved ones, but also maybe to reach out to a bigger audience or follow their passion, which, you know, I didn't expect you to inspire uh, others to do that today, but you have in telling your own story. And I think there's nothing more powerful than each other's, you know, story and having the brave, um, just being brave enough to follow your own story and share it with others. So thank you so much for being on today. And for those of you out there listening, um, you can follow Dr. Lulu um, on her website, teenalive.com. You can find her on Facebook. And as always, live brave. This has been an HSG production. 